Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of the Ocean View Podcast. No matter where you're at in our country or around the world, we thank you so much for taking the time to listen. Now sit back and enjoy this week's message. Well, I'm excited today to be able to share as we kick off a brand new message series entitled, Who are we? Uh, And if you're brand new uh, to our church, uh, typically what I try to do is at least once a year, really talk about uh, aspects of life that really affect the family. Now, uh, when I say that word family uh, right away, there are some of you maybe in the wiser generation, maybe if you're a single adult, um, maybe a, a single parent, maybe right away when you hear the word family, you go, oh, great. I'm going to spend the next three weeks and he's not going to talk about anything that has to deal with me and, and uh, I might as well just tune out right now and get a good nap. Let me get my phone out and let me check the scores. Don't worry, football hasn't started yet. I'm just saying I'm not that long-winded. But anyway, um, what, I, what I would tell you is, is that uh, that's actually not uh, where we're going uh, in these next three weeks um, because the truth is, did you know that over 75% of today's families uh, are not represented traditionally by a mom, a dad, and two biological children? Um, Did you know in the 1960s, over 60% of families were represented uh, just like that? That over 60% of our families were mom, dad, two biological children. But then over the years, now in 2018, there are 23.5% of families that look like that. Which means over 75% of our families look like uh, a mom, a, a dad, maybe a guardian, maybe a grandparent, maybe a single parent, maybe a 17 year old raising their brothers and sisters by themselves. So the family looks a lot different. And so when we talk about a, a, a family message series, uh, we pick the title because it's really a question for who are we? What is the family? And I want to encourage you, um, if you're a family right now and you're struggling, if you're a family and um, it's just tough, if you're a single adult and you're saying, you know, Terry, I, I'm, I'm struggling on my own. If you're a single mom and you're saying, I'm just, I'm putting a smile on my face, but I'm just really struggling. I, I want to tell you, I really, really, really do believe that if you, if you study the Bible, and you look at scripture, that if the church and if families would do what biblically um, we see visions of, that the church is primed for such a day like this to be the hero in every family's story. And I really believe that with all my heart. Now, in order to kick that off, um, I have to take us to one anchor passage. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to turn to the book of Psalms. And, uh, and just so you know, Psalms are a bunch of poems, and, and they're just some, some great insights in the book of Psalms. But there's a lot of different writers in Psalms. There's a guy by the name of Moses. If you've read the Bible, you know Moses. And actually, this psalm is, is attributed to Moses. And Moses is going to um, make a statement, and he's going to talk about time. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Time matters. Time matters. And the reason why we know that time matters is really coming out of Moses' mouth. And I want you to see this. Psalm 90, verse 12. It says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. For whatever reason, Moses chose at a time like that to be able to speak to the people and say, God, you know, one of our greatest prayers is that you would teach us to realize the brevity of life, to teach us that time matters, to teach every dad in this room that when you come home at the end of a hard day's work and when your kid grabs your ankles as you run through the door and you haven't even put your stuff down, that that moment matters. For every single parent in the room who is exhausted because I don't know how you survive every single day in a world like this, that you can make it because God understands and God is working through you to make sure that your time matters. For everyone who's lost someone, you know that time matters. 
2018 has not been a great year in my life, I'll just tell you. And some of you are like, oh, the pastor said he doesn't like the year. No, I don't like this year. And let me tell you why I don't like this year. I don't like this year because uh, about in, in March, uh, we got a phone call that uh, one of the patriarchs of our family, our grandfather, passed away. So I had to travel down unexpectedly and, and fly down, and I had the privilege of being able to officiate uh, the funeral service. That takes a lot of emotion, everything out of you, and then we, we get back in, we fly back up here, and two weeks later, um, I get a phone call, I'll never forget that my dad tragically passed away. So I go ahead, and then we have to deal with my family, and I had the privilege of being able to officiate that funeral, and that was hard. Then we came back up, and about a month later, unexpectedly, all of a sudden, the grandmother who was married to the grandfather who just passed away, we got a phone call that things have taken a turn for the worse, and she's about to pass, and she did. And so within a matter of about two and a half months, we lost two patriarchs and my dad. Just recently, I was driving in the car, and I shared this on a Sunday morning, when all of a sudden there was something that I really um, needed an answer to. And without thinking, because I'm driving, and I'm, I'm, I'm in the routine of life, and I'm driving, and all of a sudden I say, oh, I got, I, got a, I got to get an answer. I need advice in this. And I reach the phone and grab the phone to call my dad. And I realize he's not there. It's in those moments that you wish you had more time. It's in those moments that you really wish that the time that you had, you spent more focus doing the things you wanted to do. I wish I had one more conversation. I wish I got this question answered. If I'd only known that the time was short, I would have done more with the time that I had. And if you're taking notes, I want you to write this down. Time matters. Moses was saying, help us to realize it because we would have wisdom. If you're taking notes, write this down. When you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. When you see how much time left, you tend to get serious about the time that you have now. Now we're going to focus today, if you're a type A personality, let me tell you where we're going so that you can relax. Today's message is the next week we're going to talk about mess and family. If you're a single parent or if you know someone that's really going through a difficult time, you need to come back next week because we're going to talk about messy family. We're going to talk about what it's like to be messy because we're all messy. And um, hopefully it's an encouragement to a lot of us in the room. But today we're going to really focus about the relationship between the church and the relationship between the family, whatever the family looks like. And by the way, if you're a grandparent, you're a part of the family. So tune in. We believe... Very, very seriously, there are two powerful influences in the world. And so I'm going to take you on a little journey, so hang with me. Two powerful influences in the world. The first influence, we believe, is the church, which is represented by the color yellow. So I'm going to open my little bag here, and uh, I love kids, so I can say this. We believe the church is one of the most powerful influences in the world. We believe that the light of the church, represented by the color yellow, has the power to transform lives. I think everyone in this room, if you've been a part of church, you've seen miracles, you've seen answered prayers, you've seen people who were heading down one way turn, and because of the power that God can give his people, the power of the word of God can transform lives. You've seen the light of the church make an impact. I want to say I saw the light of the church these past couple of weeks because I saw many posts and many pictures from this church of individuals, whether it be putting sandbags together, feeding a meal. I saw students packing bags to be able to bless a community that was hungry. I've seen individuals within the church be the light of the church. So I want to say thank you, church. And I really believe the last three weeks, I believe most of our church saw the power and the influence we could have if we all gathered together and believed in ourselves that we can make a difference. And so one of the powerful influences in this world you didn't move, Stephen. You got to catch that. Come on, let's go. Is the church. But here's the thing. I believe if I can find it, here we go. We also believe that there's another powerful influence and we believe that the heart of the family represented by the color red 
is also extremely powerful. You want to see a dad move mountains for his kids. You look at the heart of a family. You want to see a mom who would step in front of a car to save her child's life. There is power in that. There is power in the heart of the family. And a lot of you that are sitting here, I see nodding heads, you would do anything for your wife, for your child, for your granddaughter, for your grandson. You would do anything because you understand how important the heart of the family is. And so you have the color yellow, the light of the church. You have the color red, the heart of the family. And when you take yellow and you take red and you put that together, you have what we call the color orange. Now, some of you have been in our church. We believe in an orange strategy. Now, let me, let me clear this up because there's a lot of you in the room that you're, you've heard orange and some of you in the wiser generation, you think that orange represents rock and music. You think it represents a style of clothes. You think it represents a style of church, watering down the word, everything else. That's not orange. It has nothing to do with orange. And if you heard that in the hallways, I don't know how you heard it because there's no gossip in the church whatsoever, but that's not true. And I've never said it. That's never been a part of it. That's not what orange is. Orange is very simply a partnership, a belief. You see, I learned a long time ago, learned a long time ago, that it's not the church's responsibility to raise the next generation. That's not the church's responsibility. It's the family's. However, it's not the family's job to do that alone. You want to know why I know that? Do you want to know why? It's not just to ignore the family and let them figure it out on their own. Do you know why I know this? It's because God illustrated it. God built us for community. Do you want to know how I know this? It's because Jesus Christ, who is God. I want you to think about this for just a second. Jesus Christ could move mountains. Jesus Christ could do anything. He could blow and he could knock everything down because he's God. He can do whatever he wants. He came down to the earth and he wanted to start a ministry, right? He's God. He could start a ministry by himself. He could be successful. He doesn't need us. But what did he do? He came down and did he do his ministry on his own? No, he didn't. He called fishermen. And he said, not only am I going to show you, I'm God and I can do this by myself, but I'm going to show you how important the body of Christ is. I want to show you how important it is to have a partnership. And so I want to partner with you. And together I'm going to pour into you and you are going to do incredible things because you're going to be the church and I need to illustrate of how powerful you can be and the partnership we need to have. So Jesus Christ came and he called 12 disciples together, but he didn't just call 12 disciples together. If you really know your Bibles, he also went a little deeper, didn't he? And within those 12 disciples, he had three disciples that he was really close to and that was Pete, Jim, and John. Or for those of you in a little bit more formal, Peter, James, and John. Pete, Jim, and John. So Peter, James, and John, thank you, for, thank you for the courtesy laugh. I appreciate that. But anyway, Peter, James, and John is sitting here and he's pouring into them one way and then he pours into 12 another way. And it was as if he wanted to come back and say, if the church and the family realize that together they need to work together for the spiritual growth of the next generation, then they would win. They would win. So red, heart of the family, yellow, light of the church, orange. Good catch. Orange a strategy that we can have. So let me talk to the church. So families, sit back, relax, 
And I want you to hear the responsibility that we have as the body of Christ. Because there's a guy by the name of Paul. Paul's very important in Scripture. He's written a lot of the letters and a lot of the books in Scripture. Paul is going to write to the church, and he's going to remind us of our responsibility to be the light of the church, the color yellow. So if you're taking notes, time matters for the church. This comes from a book. I don't want you to flip there. I want you to pay attention to the screen. He writes a letter to the Romans, and he writes specifically to let the church know what their responsibility is. So church Pay really close attention. This is Paul saying, hey, if you want to know what it's like to be the body of Christ, here's what it is. Take a look. He says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body, the church. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if you have a gift for showing kindness to others, do it gladly. What I love there is Paul says, look, if you have a gift to lead, if you have a gift to serve, if you have a gift to teach, do it. If you want to be the body of Christ church, Whatever gift God's given you, use it. But I love what he says at the end. He says, but not only use it, but take it seriously. And I have to believe that the reason why Paul was writing that is because Paul understood time matters. I'm getting older in life and I understand how important time is. And I understand the importance that time has. Now, speaking of time, let's get a little practical church. Because some of you in the church, you say, now, Terry... I, you know, I do wonders in my class. I've, I've, I've got the two-year-olds and something amazing happens. So I believe that if they just drop their two-year-old off to me and if I just love on them, they're going to know Jesus. Okay. I, I think you're doing a great job, but you're losing. I'm just telling you. And the reason why I know this is for this reason. By the way, if you're a two-year-old teacher, you're a hero of mine. I'm not calling you a loser just, you know, for the notes. Don't tweet it out. Terry, call me a loser. Don't do that, please. But hear me out. Do you know on average how many hours have influenced the church has in a family per week. Do you know how many hours that we have? The church has on average in the life of a family only one hour to influence a family. One hour, one hour for us to influence a family. Now I want to say thank you because there are many of you that stand out in a hot, sweaty parking lot. There are students who are standing out in a hot, sweaty parking lot making sure kids don't get run over, making sure that people find a parking space because it's hard to find a parking space, helping people cross the road, and you're doing it hopefully because you realize that your one hour makes a difference. You have no idea how many families I have come to our church and say, hey, I just want to tell you, at the end of the day, whether we like it or not, you have one of the most friendliest churches that I've ever seen. The the people in the parking lot, this and that, thank you. Thank you for making it easy for us to be able to figure out how to be able to come in and be able to worship. So I would tell you, some of you in here, you're taking your hour and you're using it incredibly because you realize that time matters and we only have one hour per week. That's one hour each week for every one of us to make a choice. What will I So thank you to the students who are out in the parking lot. Thank you to the students who are serving in our preschool and elementary. Thank you to the ushers who are coming in, helping people to find a seat. Thank you to those of you who are choosing to make a difference. That's one hour to choose to make a difference. Next slide. In someone's life. That's one hour that you choose. Next slide. To make 
the hour not about you. Now, I got to be honest, there are some Sundays that I'm preaching and I am allowing God to speak through me and just saying, God, fill me and pour me and I'm doing everything I can. But I got to be honest with you. There are also thoughts in my mind that go back to, oh, you know, gosh, I'm really tired or gosh, I had a bad week or gosh, you know, this afternoon I'm going to have to clean, you know, the windows and I'm not looking forward to it. And so on Sunday mornings, instead of me realizing it's not about me, I'm making it about me. Meanwhile, God is looking saying, Terry, You have an opportunity today because time matters to choose to allow God to use you to help people to follow Jesus. We only have one hour. Here's the problem, though. Here's the problem. And I love all of our church, and I love churches around this country. But I'm going to illustrate this with this water because some of you type A's, you're getting nervous because you see this prop up here, and I'm not talking about it, and you're really panicking. And so let me kind of come here. God designed the church in a specific way. And if you read scripture, it's very clear what it means to be the church. However, there's many of us that have grown up and we believe that what church is, is going into a building and worshiping God, that's one, and it is, and then being poured into by God to be able to hear what we need to hear to be able to make it through the week. And we believe that every week that's what church is. But if you think that that's what church is, you are incredibly misled. Because nowhere in scripture is that what the church is. And let me explain why. Some of you are getting mad at me already, so let me explain. Because here's what we do. We come to church and we say, you know what, God, I need you, God. Pour into me, God. I need more, God, you know, I needed that passage of Scripture. Oh, that was good. I needed you to pray for me. Oh, that's good. And, and we make it about us. And we say, God, I need you. God, I need you. God, I need you. Oh, God, pour into me. Pour into me. Pour into me. Oh, God, this is great. Some of you get nervous right now. And what happens is we keep getting poured into. We keep putting poured into. We keep putting poured into. But here's the problem. There are many of us that every single week we think church is about us and we come and we say, God, pour into me, pour into me, pour into me, pour into me, pour into me. If you're taking notes, don't ever make this the note of the year for you. Here's the truth though. Whatever, next slide, whatever God pours in, he expects it to be poured out. And there are many of us who think church is all about gimme, 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 gimme. Give me more scripture. Give me more verses. And we keep it all to ourselves. And we're like, ooh, it feels good. Yes, yes, more wisdom. Yes, more knowledge. Yes, yes, it's wonderful. Yes. And meanwhile, I got to think God grieves when he looks at the church. And the church is sitting there and they're getting bigger and bigger and bigger with all that I can pour into them. And they're not doing a darn thing with it. Write this note down. You can study the Bible and gain all the wisdom God can give you. But if you don't do anything with it, what good is it? Sorry, I get passionate. But we got a lot of Christians who think church is about gimme, 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 because it's all about my life. Rick Warren said it best, it's not about you. It's not about you. And when God pours in, if you really want to gain wisdom, then you understand that whatever God gives me, it's my responsibility to turn around and to pour it out to others. Because time matters. Time matters for the church. Time matters for the church. Okay, I'm done beating the church up. So families, wake up. It's your turn. Time matters for the family. Time matters for the family. There is a passage of Scripture that every family should have circled. Even if you don't have a Bible, you should write it on your hand. Write the passage of Scripture on your hand. Go look it up later. You can Google it. You can look up a line. But there's one passage of Scripture that every family, and when I mean family, every single parent, Every guardian, every grandparent, you should have, and it should be a memory marker for you as a family because it's instructions of what it means to raise a generation to understand what it means to be the church. 
And it comes from the book of Deuteronomy. Don't turn there. You can follow along on the screen. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and it says this. Listen, O Israel. Moses is speaking to the people, and he's telling all of the tribes and the parents. I want you to understand something. The family in the Bible wasn't just a mom and dad and two kids. The family in the Bible was mom, dad, cousin, grandma, grandpa. In the Bible, a family was a tribe. It wasn't just the mom and dad's responsibility to raise a child. It was the family's responsibility. Aunts, uncles, cousins, we all looked out for one another to make sure because God knew we needed one another to make it through this crazy life. So if you're a single parent and you're on your own here, I want you to pay close and you pay close attention. You need the church. And Moses said it. Listen, O Israel, the Lord is our God, the Lord alone. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your strength. But pay really close attention. He says this, and I want you to commit yourselves wholeheartedly to the commands I'm giving you today. Watch what he says. I want you to commit to God's truth. I want you to wholeheartedly commit to this when it comes to the truth. Repeat the truths, the laws, all that God's poured in. Repeat them again and again to who? Your children. Talk about them when you're at home, when you're on the road, when you're going to bed, and when you're getting up. Moses talked to the people and says, look, you want to know what it's like to be able to raise the next generation? Now you need to talk about it when you're walking on the road. You need to make this a part of your Monday through Saturday. It's not just about what happens on Sunday. Because if all you do is have a Sunday faith, you're going to fail. I promise you. Do you want to know why I know this? Do you know how many hours the church has? That if you are a mom or a single parent and you think, you know what, my kid is going to be fixed spiritually because I'm going to bring them to church. And if I bring them all year long to the church, then they're going to have a great relationship with God. Do you know why it's failing? Because statistics tell us right now that kids that grow in preschool, elementary, middle school, and high school in the church, that when they leave and go away to college, eight out of 10 of our kids stop going to church. And there are some of us in this room that say, well, that's college kids for you. I'm sorry. College kids, if you're in the room or high schoolers, when you get there, I can promise you God does not expect you to abandon your faith for a few years to have fun. I can promise you that. That's not biblical. It's not scriptural. That is not what he wants. He wants a generation to know how valuable you are. And the years in college are incredible years to be able to be influenced. So if you're a mom or dad and you think, oh, The church is going to take care of it. Do you know how many hours the church has on average in the life in a year? 40 hours. You have 40 hours. 40 hours the average family of influence gets a year in church. That's 40 hours to teach them about a God who loves them. That's 40 hours to teach them the difference between going to church and being the church. That's 40 hours to explain that God wants and desires a personal relationship with God him. But we have a problem. That's 40 hours. There's 40 in here. 40 hours. Do you know the problem though is? 40 hours right here. I'll put it right here. That's what the church has. Do you know in the average year, if you took all the teenagers in America and you pulled all of them together, teenagers that love video games and teenagers that hate video games, And if you count up and average out the amount of hours in a year one teenager will spend on a video game. Do you know how many hours in a year a kid will play video games? 400. 400 hours of video games on average. However, 
it gets worse because that's all teenagers. You have some teachers, teenagers that are playing 60 hours of video games in a week. That's 60 hours this week, which means there's 60 hours that they're getting more influence out of a video game than the church has in a whole year. That's a lot. That's why we really believe as a church that what happens at home is more important sometimes than what happens at family. What happens at home within the family matters. We believe, next slide, that what happens at home this week matters more than what actually what happens at church. We believe that because the church has 40 hours. But do you know how many hours of influence? Remember, 40 hours a church has in a given year. Do you know how many hours of influence that moms, dads, grandparents that you have in a given year with a child, and I'm not talking about sleeping time. I'm not talking about when they're at school. I'm not talking about that. I'm just talking about before school, after school, at dinner, at breakfast, at nighttime. If you add up all the hours that if a parent chooses to understand that time matters, and it, wow, I'm okay. And if parents decide, if parents decide to take those hours and do something incredible with them, do you know how many hours of influence a family has for the spiritual growth of their kids? Let me illustrate it. Pete, help me out. Deacon, help me out. Is that it? I don't have much time here. I'm just saying. Not yet? The church has 40 hours of influence. But the family, the family. I'm glad it's the last service. I'm just saying. Like that one really mattered, Deacon. Thanks a lot. Here's the truth. Church has 40 hours. And yes, we counted them. The average family has over 3,000 hours of influence every single year to pour into the life of their kids. So hear me. If you don't get anything else I say, I want you to hear me. Church, families, families, if you would just allow the church to partner with you, to take our 40 and then grab a hold and inspire, encourage, educate, pour in and allow you to take some of your 3,000 hours to be able to begin to pour in to your kids in the next generation, then we can take all of these hours and we can see a generation that grows up to understand the difference between what it means to go to church and have a compartmentalized faith or be the church and Monday through Saturday live out a faith and a day-to-day relationship with Jesus Christ. Now, some of you would say, well, Terry, how does that happen? I'm going to share with you, but why don't you write this down? When the church and the family believe in a partnership and begin using the best of what each other has to offer, something incredible happens. Something incredible happens. Here's the truth. Did you know grandparents, moms, dads, do you know every single week there is a curriculum that is taught to your preschooler, your elementary schooler, and your middle schooler every single week on Sunday. And then Wednesdays, we pour into our teenagers, our high schoolers. But do you know that on that curriculum, There is opportunities for every parental unit to take what we pour in on Sunday and then to augment it Monday through Saturday. 
true story. I was sitting there this uh, yesterday morning and I was talking to Connor and it was in the morning time we were sitting there and I like to kind of do devotions with him. And so I just sat there and I just said, Hey, bud. I says, Hey, so I'm excited. I said, you know, we're going to talk about, uh, you know, some things about God today. And he's like, great dad. What, what is it? And I go, Hey, this week you're going to be learning about contentment. And all of a sudden Jennifer goes, uh, it's not contentment. And I go, yeah, no, yes, it is contentment. And she goes, no, 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 that's not it. And so Jennifer, cause Jennifer knows the curriculum that we're using and with, with our kids. And she says, no, it's not. And we had an argument in front of our son. It was really great parenting. I promise you. And so all of a sudden I looked at her and I said, no, 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 no. I said, this Sunday, Connor's going to be learning about what it means to be content. And she goes, you're cheating. You're going a week ahead. I said, I can do that. I'm the pastor. But anyway, here's the point. As a dad, you can know what your preschooler, elementary, or middle schooler is learning on Sunday. As a dad or a mom, you can be equipped during the week before they go to bed, at the table, on the road. You can be equipped to have a conversation with them, to take what they learned on Sunday and to augment it during the week. So it's not just a compartmentalized Sunday, but that there's a partnership. In other words, if you would just take one of our hours and use your 3,000 and partner together, you can make an exponential impact. So I'm going to share one more story, but then I'm done. But let me get some action steps. Church, here's a challenge for us all in this room. 93%, 93% of all people who come to Jesus Christ this year, 93% of them will be between the ages of zero and 18. I just want to stop. Let me get on a soapbox for a second. Our servant leaders, our deacons know this about me because I get passionate about it. If 93% this year of all people who give their life to Christ if 93% are between the ages of 0 and 18, we better darn well care about the next generation. That's all I'm saying. So church, if that's true, and it is, you can look up statistics. If 93% of all people who come to a relationship with Christ come between the age of 0 to 18, what are you doing with your time? If you really want to help people to follow Jesus, what are you doing with your time? If you really want to be able to say, Terry, I don't believe that church is just about me and being poured into and being overfilled, but I really should make a difference and I should with the time I have left, even if I'm 85 years old, with the time I have left, I can pour in to the next generation and I can give back. If you really believe that, what are you doing with the hour that you have on Sunday? And so church, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to this. I would love all of our church to say, Terry, I will choose to serve one hour each week. I don't care if it's in the parking lot. I don't care if it's hosting. I don't care if it's a small group leader that you as a church say, Terry, it's not about me. And I'm going to take one hour to be able to pour in and impact someone else. And if I do that, I will become the light of the church. One hour. Families, you're not off the hook though. Families, with all my heart, please listen up. I challenge you to partner with the church each week in the spiritual growth growth of my child or student. And the way that you can do that very simply is even today you can walk up and say, hey, what's a parent cue? A parent cue is information about what your child or student is learning right now. And you take that parent cue and you don't walk to the parking lot and you don't throw it on the ground. Please, it's color people. It costs money. I'm just saying. That was a joke, by the way. But anyway, but that you take it and that during the week you actually look at it and you do what Deuteronomy tells us, what Moses tells us, that before they go to bed, while they're at the dinner table, we ask questions to be able to gauge in the life of our child or student. 
We pick up a Parent Q each and every Sunday. You can download a Parent Q app. I actually have it on my phone. It actually has some incredible videos, some funny videos. Adults in the room, it's not a kiddie thing. You'll actually laugh hysterically. It's awesome entertainment. I'm amused every time I look at it. Our staff, most of our staff that has kids, they all have this app and they use it every single week. So I'm not asking you to do anything that all of our staff thinks is incredible in the life of their kids. So I'm going to ask that you go ahead and do this. Let me close up because I'm done. I'm out of time. Last night was a great example of action step for me. Because here's what I believe. I believe that a lot of you in this room, you've heard this before or you've heard it again. And in your mind, you say, you know, that'd be nice. But you know what? I've been doing the same thing all my life. I'm not going to change. I want to tell you, why are you here? If you're not willing to change and you're not willing to grow, then why are you here? Because God has a word for all of us every single week and he's going to challenge us with it. And so here's what I want to challenge you with. Last night, I remember I got home. I had a long day yesterday. We had baseball games to go to. It was hot. It was miserable. It's October. I mean, really, it's 98 degrees outside. Come on. So anyway, I I digress. So get home from a a doubleheader and I'm sitting in bed and I'm exhausted and I'm tired. And so at nighttime, we have routine and everything else where um, we we want Connor to learn what it means to be a good reader. And so every night we we give him a little extra time. He can stay up so he can read a book. And so Jennifer goes in and gives him his book. And then Jennifer has a book that she's reading. Meanwhile, I'm exhausted. I've had a long day. And so I want to catch up on the news. So I grab my iPhone out. And so I'm, I'm looking up the news and I'm kind of on there. So as I'm sitting there, we're all three of us in our bed and I'm sitting there and I'm looking at the news and all of a sudden I hear it. <clears throat> I look over and my wife is looking at me and it's that, that look that's not like, oh honey, you're the best husband in the world look. It's not that look. It's a total different look, I promise you. So what do I do as a loving pastor and husband? I just go, because mm. I know what that looks for and sorry, I ain't having any of it. I deserve this break. I'm tired. I know I am not going to do it. So all of a sudden I hear, mm-hmm. I go, God bless you. So true story, you can ask her. Next thing that happens is my arm gets pelted with a book. From the nightstand, she grabs the book and she goes, and it goes, wham, abuse. So I'm talking to the authorities. She'll be in trouble later. But anyway, so I go, ow. I go, what? And she looks at me, mm. and then it dawns on me. And I'm sitting there and here's my choice. Jennifer is wanting me to not only talk about how important it is for Connor to read at night, but as dad to be able to demonstrate that along with the family. So the book that she threw is a book that I picked up a while ago. I hadn't picked up, hadn't started reading it. And so I got the book and I'm sitting there and I have a choice. And I got to be honest, guys in the room, I got to be honest. I ain't reading this book. No way. She just hit me with it. She did in front of me. I ain't doing it. Nope. I don't care if it's the right thing. I'm not doing it. It's somewhere in the book of hesitations. I promise. It's not a book, by the way, you, you're just kidding with you. But then I remember what I was speaking on this morning. And here's the thing that God really hit me with. He said, Terry, how could you expect anybody in our church, any family to take one step? How can you expect a church member for the first time in 40 years of going to church to say, you know what, I keep hearing about what it means to serve and use my gift and I've never done it. How can you expect them in a moment when emotion set in to take a step of faith if you're not even willing to do it with your family? So guess what I did last night? I read four boring chapters of a book. I won't tell you the name of the book because the author, I respect him too much. But anyway, what are you going to do with your time? What are you going to do to make a difference? Time matters. May you understand the brevity of time so you gain a heart 
of wisdom. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you know that this is a passion of mine and God, um, God, I believe it because my heart breaks because I see so many talented, incredible, amazing people of God who have amazing talent and gifts and I see them making it all about them. And I know that through scripture, that is not what the body of Christ or what the church is for. That as you pour in, we should be pouring out So God, I pray for every parent in this room, every grandparent, every single parent, every guardian. We're tired, we're exhausted. But God, I pray that we would know that we're not alone, that we can make a difference together. So God, for every parent in this room, I pray today that they would not leave this place without saying, I want information so that I can partner with the church in the spiritual growth of my child. I pray that every person, God, in this room says, I need to make a difference. So God, what is my gift and where can I serve? And so God, I pray that you would inspire the hearts of our people and I pray that you would do incredible things. So Father, thank you. Time matters and may we make a difference in Jesus' name. Thanks so much for listening to today's podcast. If you would like more information about the ministries at Ocean View, or if you'd like to speak to someone directly, you can visit our website at www.ovbc.org. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day.